Okay, Second John, verse 7. The Bible says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He hath both the Father Excuse me. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Verse 10. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, which doctrine? The doctrine from verse 9, the end, uh, second half of verse 9. If any of them come unto you that bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come to you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. So, again, very brief overview. We have John in uh, the... Uh, in and around Ephesus, he's writing a letter, in my opinion, to a specific person in a church that he used to pastor. And some news has come to him about um, some uh, deceivers or some false deceivers being supported possibly by her, um, and he needed to kind of set this straight with her. We talked for a couple of weeks about uh, verse 4 where Paul in Ephesus evidently sees a couple of her children in the ministries there. And he wrote in verse 4, I rejoiced greatly that I find found of thy children walking in truth. And man, we, we really kind of stood on that for a, full, for a few weeks to say, uh, that says something about this elder lady, doesn't it? She raised her kids well. And when they were off on their own, doing their own thing, when no one was watching, they were serving God. And John said, you know what, that's something that we need to, I need to let her know about. Because that's something that uh, God's pleased about and that she should get the uh, kind of uh, the news that her, her kids are doing what she wants them to do, what God wants them to do. So we spent some time there, but now we get to the kind of the meat of why John wrote this letter to her. Again, very short letter even, 13 verses. He starts in verse 7, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now when we went through 1 John, we really spent some time on that deceiver or antichrist. What is an antichrist? Well, really, this has no eschatological meaning to it, meaning it has no end times meaning to it when you hear this word antichrist in this chapter. He's not talking about 
that is the Antichrist of, uh, well, he had, I don't think he's, well, timeline-wise, I'm trying to think if he'd written Revelation yet. But uh, he's not talking about that Antichrist. He's talking about just an Antichrist being anybody who preaches a false gospel. If you're preaching that Jesus is not 100% man and 100% God and was born of a virgin and that he didn't die on that cross or that he was never dead or just buried and never rose from the grave. If you're preaching those things, you're an antichrist. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. If you're, te- those are major doctrines of our faith, right? If you're not right, you're wrong. I, well, there's one truth. There's one truth. There's yeah. One. Uh, but if these are major doctrines, and if you're teaching away from the major doctrines, you're an antichrist. Now, does this mean somebody who teaches a class? Matt taught or preached a wonderful lesson uh, one Sunday evening on Second and Third John, and I think he brought it up, and I've heard good preachers that we would consider like-minded preach that Second John was written to a church instead of a specific lady. What does that mean? Well, I said that he wrote it to a specific lady, so anybody that doesn't preach that is an antichrist. No, that's for, that's that's an interpretative. Uh, thing in scripture that we, we kind of are allowed to disagree with. We'll find we'll all find out the truth behind that when we get to heaven. But no, anybody that's preaching other than true gospel is an anti antichrist. Now Jesus warned us of this. Uh, this isn't John just kind of hey we have the situation you know, you know we need to be mindful. This warning comes all the way as throughout Scripture. Flip over to Matthew chapter 7. This is uh, Jesus talking. We'll start reading in verse 15. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes or thorns or figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a cup corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. We talked about that. First John, what was, the, what was the kind of the topic that we discussed? It was, how can I be assured of my salvation? And what did he say? Look at your fruits. And one of the biggest ones, are you loving the brethren? Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Here at Central and others. 
you know if i'm this is this is me if i'm dealing business wise with a uh, company and i notice they're christian man i huh i feel better about them i immediately trust them immediately i trust them i mean i don't even i don't have to do any more research at that point look at reviews He's a fellow brother and sister in Christ, and maybe after with talking to him, I get, you know, sense that too. And it immediately makes me uh, feel better. I love that person. They're a fellow brother and sister in Christ. Oh, where was I? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know, and Jesus is given a very firm warning there. There's going to come those folks who were meant to deceive. And I, I appreciate his comments in, at the first. He says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Now, I've probably mentioned this, and after 20 years in law enforcement, people often would ask me, um, they would. They want me to want us to teach uh, these classes on stranger danger to kids, or they want me to teach a class maybe on an active shooter in the workplace situation. And one of the first things they're going to ask me is, "What do we need to look out for?" In other words, what's an active shooter in a workplace? What's the profile on one of those folks, and what do we need to look for? Well, they're mostly men, although there's been a couple of female ones this year. So, you know, okay, that gives us something to look for. People want to know what to look for. They want to make it easy to identify what's bad. If I can identify what's bad versus what's good, that makes me feel better. And what I generally tell them is they look just like you and me you're in all likelihood going to recognize that person. They're going to have some sort of connection to either um, one of your employees or be one of your employees. And then that usually freaks them out when you tell them that. Because they're going to come in sheep's clothing. The outwardly, you're not going to be able. To, they're not going to walk in with a T-shirt that says, uh, "I'm a deceiver in Christ," you know, or anything like that. You have to make use discernment to identify who these folks are, because it's important that we do identify who these yeah. folks are. Um, Great danger can be done for the cause of Christ if we don't. If we don't. Um, this page two. I'm sorry, sir. The look of innocence is a perfect disguise. Oh yeah, and don't think uh, Satan 
you know, doesn't know the proper ways to attack a church. To attack a church from within. Church TV. (laughs) A lot of deceivers there. Oh, yeah. You know, and I long for something to watch sometimes, and I'll go over there, and it it never lasts long. (laughs) Because, you know, there isn't a place on TV that I can, like, I want to go watch some sermons. And, oh, well, certainly church TV ought to be able to watch some. (laughs) At least you can turn it off. Yeah, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, Paul tells us, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They They look like an apostle. And, and it's purposeful. It's deceitful. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. You know, we do a, a whole section in FBI on doctrine of Satan. And, you know, Satan is not this red cartoon <laughs> character with a pointy tail and a pitchfork. He's a beautiful creature. God created him. Yeah. He was an angel. And he was an angel. If you were to see Satan, there's no hideousness there. It's beauty. And that's his attraction. Matter of fact, he is an angel to include musical instruments in his being. Um, It's just, it would would awe you if that's what you saw. Continuing in 2 Corinthians, therefore it is no great thing if his ministries also be trans- ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. He's saying, you know, people come, deceitful preachers come wearing a jacket and a tie. They ain't just, you know, come in, you know, it's not the ones that, you know, you might see wearing uh, blue jeans and a, and a Hawaii shirt. No, they're going to come here wearing a jacket and a tie. That's what a deceitful preacher is going to look like. So how do you tell them? Through their work. So how do we figure that out? we gotta, we got to do some due diligence. It's a big deal to allow somebody to stand and either teach the Word of God or um, even greater preach from the Word of God amongst our congregation. I've been here long enough, I've seen it happen, I think, once, where somebody got in and through their message it was clear very fast. It was like, uh-oh, they got through the <laughs> the checks and balances and they haven't been back. Um, and Pastor, you know, it was a, we talked about it in leadership and it was handled, but um, I think I've seen it once because it can happen. It can definitely happen. Second Peter says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies. Boy, that's some strong language. Of course, it's Peter, right? But strong language. Even denying the Lord that brought them. Remember, focus on John's time in writing this letter. What was the prevailing uh, heretical teaching? Gnosticism. 
and different methods of Gnosticism go from Jesus was all man, all physical being, and no spirit, to all spirit, no man. That This was the realm of Gnostic thinking. So he's saying, even denying the Lord, they're saying, they're saying he never even came. He was just man. He was just a man. And bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Well, there's some things, like I said, we can disagree on. And we'll, we, we speak about them as we kind of go through books. Um, Genesis chapter 6, right? The sons of gods. Boy, we can have a hearty debate on, on what are the sons of gods, right? Here's the answer. No one knows. We'll figure out in heaven. You know? Uh, we can have... It, it, it's a fun debate. Uh, we had a great debate in FBI when uh, the lecturer did a, a pretty long section on the Shroud of Turin. Interesting debate. Is it real? Is it not real? <gasps> Who cares? <laughs> I mean, that was the way I ended up. After a couple of weeks of us dis uh, discussing it in class, I finally came to the sense that it didn't matter if it was real or not. It wasn't going to change my faith one iota. It's real. Okay. It's fake. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't, you know, whatever. It doesn't change my faith. Um, stuff like that, boy. I mean, they're in there. Many times, people get stuck in the weeds on these things. That's where um, lost folks they want to they want to, you know, what's the question they always ask about uh, creation? Who was uh, uh, Abel's wife? Yeah. You know that kind of stuff. His sister. His sister. Yeah, it was his sister. I mean, that's the reality of it. Yeah. Okay. There was only a few people on earth at the time, and, you know, they... But and they were perfect. It, yeah, and they were perfect. They were, they were created differently, you know? It, it's just, that's where they want to worry about talking about, and they get you away from talking about Jesus is God, Jesus the incarnate God, Jesus lived a sinless life, Jesus, Jesus was crucified, for no reason of his own, but to save us from our sins so that we can have the potential to have a relationship with God. And three days later, rose from the dead. I mean, I had a guy had come in the, the, my office at the PD one time, and boy, he wanted to talk about tongues. Well, so what do you think about tongues? I mean, if you're asking me, I believe it's a old gift from uh, that served a short time and no longer is. Well, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And I finally stopped him. I said, I said his name. I said, "Do you believe that Jesus is God?" And he went, "Well, yeah." Do you believe that he died on the cross unworthily for you and I's sins? He goes, well, yeah. 
Do you believe that he rose from the dead after three days, where he lives now at the right hand of God? Well, yeah. And I said, then why do we care what tongues is all about? Let's concentrate on what we agree with, right? Because you, based off what you said, you're a Christian, and I'm a Christian, so let's not get hung up in these things. It's fun discussions. It's great study. And we should know because people are going to ask us, and you need to be willing to give an answer, right? But those are the things you're going to find out of somebody who's deceased. They're going to get stuck on these things that don't matter. They just don't matter. Somebody who's truly preaching the gospel of Christ, you're going to teach Jesus. You're going to teach sin. I was teaching, I was talking with my aunt in South Carolina last weekend, and they both teach Sunday school. And my, uh, she was asking my uncle, she goes, well, what are you going to teach this week? He goes, sin. What about next week? Sin. What about the week after that? sin <laughs> you know you know the right answer could be that you could say well what are you going to teach this week uh, I think I'll teach you about Jesus what about next week yeah I think we're going to stick with Jesus the week after that yeah we're going to stick with Jesus I mean a, a, a gospel somebody who's gospel centered that's going to be their focus in their teachings and you can sense a deceiver because they won't stick there they won't stick there verse 8 Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Look to yourselves. So how do we personally um, discern and caution ourselves to keep these deceivers out? The first way is we've got to look to ourselves. Gotta look to yourself to protect yourself. You know, uh, the church does a great job filtering that stuff for you here. You know, we have the bookstore, which I love, because these are materials that's been screened by the staff and said, no, this is consistent with our faith. And they encourage folks to get them. Um, But past that, we spend... One, two, uh, three hours a Sunday, one hour a Wednesday, maybe three hours on Thursday for FBI, but you spend the majority of your time outside these walls. So it comes down to yourself. John says, look to yourself, and you have to be cautious. Since false teachers come from within the professing church and disguise their message as deeper spiritual truths, we're to guard up. Remaining alert to spiritual danger lest we be deceived. Constantly, everything you hear, you should be validating in your own head with what does Scripture say. You need to know the book. You need to be reading the Bible. You need to be studying the Bible. Because that's the only way you're going to be able to validate what I'm teaching and what pastor's preaching as consistent with the Word of God. It's a text. Yes, and you, but if you don't know the Scripture, you're not going to be able to be that discerning, and you're going to be more susceptible to non-truths. 
Why are we? Why? John says, "Why we need to have this, and 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 you need to be mindful. Why? Because if we do not watch and we are deceived, we're going to lose those things we have worked for." What's he talking about there? Now, some might take the huge leap of saying, "Well, you you know, Ken's been a." loyal mem- member of, of Central Baptist coming to all the lessons. He's done it for 10 years plus and and he got kind of got caught up in a deceitful uh, lesson and now he's uh, going to another church or he just stopped going. What, what's Ken going to lose in that respect? If Ken is truly saved, he is not losing his salvation because he's backslid and into false doctrine. Your salvation was a gift from God that you can't not accept once you have accepted it, right? Amen. I mean, it's yours. I, I said a couple of weeks ago, you can try to give it back, and he don't want it. I mean, you can't give your salvation back. It's yours. You can't lose it if you try. Well, what can you lose? John's telling us we have the ability or the the thing that we can lose, and he's saying, but that we receive a full reward. The your works through this, uh, your ministries through those ministries and through those uh, opportunities, you earn crowns, right? Crowns through heaven that that you're able to uh, obtain, and then. Lay at Christ's feet through worship when you get there. I mean, those are those are rewards. He offers them to you. Now, those you can lose. You can get it and then lose it. It's you know, he gives it to you. It's a, now that gift he can take back. So John's John's like, we don't want you to lose those rewards. So stay diligent. Stay firm. What are some other implications of, of going down a path of false doctrine? Personal, all of our own spiritual growth will be reversed. Boy, I, you know, I've seen folks. I've seen folks when we were teaching Sunday school just right next door. If we went through and kind of remembered, and we're not going to, but if we went through and remembered folks that used to be in there that aren't now, they have fallen into some false doctrine and their spiritual growth if not has stalled it has reversed it's reversed something's got in their head at some extent to some extent corporately we have all labored for and building this church will be reversed if it falls into false doctrine Central Baptist uh, name, uh, Church has a name in this community, right? In this state, even in many many places, and it's a it's a name of of uh, of, of great ministries of a faithful church who was willing to help each other, love each other, and be involved in ministries if asked. I mean, we have a wonderful name. Do you know it would take one person to ruin that? Oh, that would just be tragic, wouldn't it? I mean, we have 350, 400 maybe on a Sunday morning, and 
rolls five, six, seven hundred, and you fall into deceit, and you start laying seeds of doubt in people's heads, and within time the church can have splits over stuff like that. It's just scary. I would never want to be the one responsible for for ruining the name of Central Baptist Church and thus ruining or demeaning the name of Christ through it, right? And then eternal, we may lose the heavenly rewards that we labored on. Verse 10 and 11. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Well, now keep in mind, let's, let's, let's do this through historical interpretation here a second. Back then, the preachers uh, would travel and they would stay in um, uh, Christian, other Christians' homes while they traveled to preach. Very common, not a, a thing at all, but evidently maybe this lady allowed one of them to stay with her. We don't know, but maybe she did. And, and John's saying, don't allow them to come. Receive him not into your house. Neither bid him Godspeed. He's saying, and don't go, and when you meet them and you're talking to them, don't go, hey, good luck. No, you don't want to be a part of wishing him well. It's an antichrist. It's, it's somebody who's going out there preaching against God. Now, are we to be rude? Damnation to you, Ken. You know, as you walk out the door, as you try to teach me something that I know is wrong? No. And nowhere in Scripture does it say do that either. It just says don't receive them in your house and don't wish them Godspeed. It's Satan's work. We don't want to be, I don't want to be patting Satan on the back. Giving money to his cause. Given time to his cause? No way. In verse 11, here's why. Because if you biddeth him Godspeed, you are a partaker of those evil deeds. Now, nothing there says that if somebody comes knocking at your door, you can't invite them, invite them in to share the gospel with them. Don't take that too far. Remember, we have to take this as a historical account and then apply it to where we're at today. It would be, you know, a missionary coming from out of town. It's not a like-minded missionary and they want to stay at your house or, you know, for a few nights. Yeah, no. No, I'm not. I can't do that, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, and nothing says you can't invite them in. Well, another thing to keep in mind back then, yep. the churches were in the individual's homes. They didn't mm -hmm. go to the church meetings like here. Right, yes. So they actually came in, they were invited in, they taught from the house. Yep. So the people that had the house uh, used it for the church. Yes. And so they had to know what the scripture was. Mm-hmm. You know, and the first book of the Bible was written about 55 A.D. Somewhere between 55 A.D. and 96 A.D., the entire New Testament was written. Mm -hmm. 
so they had to learn to piecemeal. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, through correspondence that was passed from church to church <coughs> that was later canonized, of course. But, but yeah, the um, you're absolutely correct. The churches was, the homes was the church. And, you know, even a more important, you know, application, you know, for them is not to allow them because it's your home. It's your home. It's going to affect your kids and everybody. <coughs> I'm kind of skipping down through. I do want to hit this point. We also should be very cautious about inviting false teachers into our homes through television, internet, CDs, radio, books, magazines. Now, we live in a wonderful society and we have access to so much information. I listen to a lot of different commentaries. I read a lot of books. And I get a book sometime and I get so excited. I'm like, oh man, this is going to be good. And about three pages in, I realize, yeah. I mean, it just is so frustrating sometimes. It can be difficult to find uh, material to study from so that uh, you don't get caught up in that. Uh, obviously true of false religious teachers, but it is also true of false worldly philosophies taught by most of the world's media. The views of love, marriage, sex, the home, the family, parental roles, rebellion, Christianity, God, morality presented by our media today and music has destroyed many a home and many a life. So when we say don't bring false doctrine into your home, deceivers, it doesn't have to be through a spiritual method. And you can do a lot of damage. Did you have your hand up? Hmm? Just that advertisements? Yeah. Oh my gosh. If, if you didn't know, it's Pride Month. It's everywhere, right? I mean, those things exposed to our families tear down or have the potential to tear down what we have concentrated to build up in spiritual things. Because they present it that if you don't agree, then you're a hate. Yeah, you hate. You hate. Well, that's. No, that's not it. That's not it, but the potential for lost, re lost reward, which is significant. These are gifts from God that you have the utility to obtain. So me saying you have the potential to lose a reward, you're like, well, I'm already in heaven, so, pff, you know, what's, you know, maybe I don't, I don't need another crown. Well, I'm already in heaven. Well, no, these are things from God you want to get. With the fear of the Lord, you combine those two. Why should we be careful? Because we don't want to lose our rewards and we fear the Lord. And not in an angry way, but in a respectful, he's my God and he has told me through inspiration to don't let these deceivers into your heart. Don't let them into your home. Don't let them into your church because there's the potential for it. Great loss, and because he's my God, I got I, I, I want to follow him in this. And then the last 
uh, verse I'll read you from Second Corinthians. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Man, I tell you, I could preach or teach lessons on you know our our doctrine of separate uh, separation. That's not it. Separatism. Separatism, or you know, be separate. That's a huge doctrine for us, but it gets misinterpreted. It gets you know made worse than it is, but it's a very logical doctrine for obvious reasons when you apply this into it. And I think as we begin into Third John, we'll we'll probably get an opportunity to go into that a little bit more. So we'll start into Third John next week with the goal still as soon as we finish Third John, we will begin the book of Revelation. So we'll begin a long study on that. It'll take a couple years, but I don't plan on going nowhere unless the rapture comes before time, and if so, we'll finish it up there. Which will be interesting then, wouldn't it? They what? They have room for us. They're going to have plenty of room for us. We'll know it up there. It's true. That's why I say it's going to be, it'll be more interesting up there. Kim, you want to release us in prayer? Yes, sir. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, Lord, just another day to love you and to serve you.